Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. We bless you and we thank you that it is early, but spring is on its way. And so we thank you for that. We adore you for that. And we just bless you for the seasons that we do have, each one in its time, for its time, to bring about your result. And that is the supply of everything we need. And so we thank you for that. And we just bless you as well that you give us opportunity to look into your word, and you give us opportunity to learn of you, to learn of ourselves, and then to be able to apply and live the Christian life by faith as we hear what you have to say to us. Use your word today, Lord, to bring about your results in what we say and what we hear that will lead us into a closer relationship with you, a closer walk with you. And we commit these things, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our example, and the God we love, and the God we long to please. It's in your name, sweet Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred. That hasn't changed since yesterday, or since the start of the podcast for that matter. And I'm the host of the podcast. And again, I am eternally thankful to God for his creation and his redemption and his condescending to us to give us opportunity to serve him. I'm also thankful that you listen and and that I do pray sincerely that your prayer life is being exhorted and encouraged and growing. I also pray that it's a biblical prayer life. And as we've been looking the last few days, that it's a dynamic prayer life. And we have seen that dynamic means real. So our prayers are real. And Jesus told us, in the book of John, that our prayers are as tangible as his conversations with his disciples. And today we want to look again, we've done this a couple times in the past, and demonstrate that our conversation with God is dynamic also in the way he answers us and the way he answers us through his word. And as I made that assertion, I pondered how to support that biblically, how the best way to support that biblically And we know it's generally, we we know that that's true. And we talked the other day about, a little bit about zeitgeist. And it's the zeitgeist of the Bible that God is listening to us, and he talks to us through his word. But I wanted to find the most precise way to do that. And I didn't want to, today, center on personal experience. Although there's nothing wrong with that, and it directly illustrates All the truth of the Bible can be directly illustrated through our experience, through our personal experiences, grounded in the Word, of course. But today I didn't want to center on that. And as I was pondering that, praying about that, 
It occurred to me that the most powerful example of God talking to us through his word, or to his people through his word, is seen every single time that the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. That's God talking to his people through his word, and the writers of the New Testament address issues or make an effort to reinforce doctrine. They reinforce doctrine through the Old Testament. And whenever they do that, because all they had at that point in time was the Old Testament, it exemplifies how God talks to his people through his word. And I'm going to illustrate that today, focusing on a struggle that we all have. And we're going to focus on what has been or will be in your life and has been in my life and is in my life. The focus of many of the prayers as we're growing spiritually and maturing spiritually As we mentioned, our prayers change, and as they change, and as we grow, we pray about pride a lot, or at least I've had to in my past, and right now. As humans, we are a very prideful creature, and we have varying degrees of reasons to be proud of ourselves, and I personally differentiate between self-centeredness and pride, because you can be self-centered and not like yourself very much. But as we relate to one another, pride is something that we do struggle with and that we have to watch out from. And one of the verses that always strikes me when I talk about pride or think about pride is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And Paul says of the boastful that they compare themselves with themselves. And whenever we compare ourselves with ourselves, we actually come out pretty good because of our pride. And we all are enamored of what we do well. When I used to go to the gym a lot, I kind of smiled because I would look around and I would see these big, strong men and women, sometimes men, I won't say women, but men a little overweight, and they were pushing around weights. They were just lifting heavier and heavier weights. And then you would look around the gym and you would see rail-thin people running or cycling or swimming And it occurred to me at that time that as people, we do what we do best and we like what we do best. And that was a picture to me of people developing what they already had. Those overweight people probably should have been doing a little more cardio work. And the really thin, thin people probably should have been doing a little more resistance work for their overall health, that is. But we do what we like and we center on what we like And we take pride in what we do well. And I personally try to ignore almost everything I don't do well, which is almost everything. But that's us. And our temptation, though, is to be proud. Now, to begin this illustration, most of my life through my recreational time has been through sports, athletics, and all the the people that I looked up to when I was younger, when I was a kid growing up, were athletes. And I think of athletes like Brooks Robinson in baseball, the greatest third baseman ever, David Robinson, a Hall of Famer in basketball, Barry Sanders, a Hall of Famer and probably the best running back ever in football, and then Roger Staubach, one of the best quarterbacks. He's definitely a Hall of Famer in football. All these men, again, were Hall of Famers, a couple of them the best ever at their position, but they were also Christians. And they lived in utter humility, all of them, all four of them. And they're not the only ones, but they came to my mind because they were part of my cadre of heroes 
when I was younger. And all four of them could have pounded their chests, taken interviews and said, you know what, I'm just so quick. Brooks Robinson, for instance, I'm so quick at third base. That's what makes me the best ever. And I just do this everywhere. But they didn't pound them their chest and they didn't give interviews that were so braggadocious. They were men of humility and they expressed that in their deeds and in their words. And if you haven't known or if you don't know who Barry Sanders is, look up some videos of him scoring touchdowns. You won't see him acting like a clown or making a big face or making big muscles. He simply gave the football to the referee and got off the field. But they could have done all those things, but they didn't because they were Christians. They lived by faith and they took their faith seriously. And you can't even say it was the times because the times were different back when these men played, but not completely different. And there was a contemporary of basically all four of these men who lived a prideful life. He was actually famous for one game and how he played in that game. But he took pride in who he was, how he played, his rebel spirit, even his excessive sin. And that hasn't stopped. He's an old, old man now. He's even older than I am. And his sin and pride have not abated at all. So it wasn't the time that made these men humble. Again, it was their relationship with Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they took his call seriously on their lives. And they were humble men. Now we might pray, and they may have been tempted at one point in time, and we might pray this way as well. We may say, Lord, is humility really important? I am so very good, so very, very good at what I do. I'm a Hall of Famer after all. Do I really need to be humble? Why can't I go out there and brag about myself and beat on my chest? And when we come to those points in our lives where we need to pray, for humility, pray about our humility. If we're reading scripture, we are going to sometime, at some point, come across verses like Matthew 18, 4. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And not that our aim is meant to be the greatest, but Jesus there speaks of our utter need for humility, even as a little child. We will also eventually run into James chapter 4, 5 through 10. And there he says this, Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And to purify your heart, you're double-minded. Be miserable, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Now I'm going to point one thing out. But first, before I do that, I want to go to 2 Peter 1. And this is 4 through 11. And there Peter says, beginning in verse 4 again, beginning in verse 4 again, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But you resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And what I want to point out by those, from those two passages, by James and then by Peter, is that the centerpiece of both of those in our call to humility is a quote from the Old Testament. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I am sorry, I didn't look up where that came from. Maybe I'll note it in the next episode. But that's a direct quote from the Old Testament in both places. And that's an example of Scripture, of God speaking to his people through his word. And it's as if James is saying, and Peter is saying, don't just listen to me when I tell you to be humble, but listen to what God says in his word. So in both passages, quoting God from the Old Testament, or quoting the Old Testament, who's been given by God, or which has been given by God, but they quote from the Old Testament. And that, again, is our example of God talking directly to us through his word. And when we struggle with pride, we look to his word, and there it is. Whatever then we struggle with as we read his word, God gives us the knowledge from his word, wisdom from his word, discernment from his word, and the exhortation and encouragement so that we will follow through, that we will accomplish what God has called us to, even to humility. Now, I did say I didn't want to center on a personal example, but I do want to give one just to finish this one up. I had only been a Christian for a little more than two years, or just about two years. We had moved to Phoenix to go to college, and things were not working out. They weren't working out the way I thought they would, and they weren't working out the way I wanted them to, and they weren't working out the way I thought they should be. I wasn't exactly in school full-time, and I knew that's why I was there, and it was why I was there in Phoenix, but I wasn't in school. I wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing. And so I was struggling. I was struggling with pain and confusion and sadness over our circumstance. And at that point in time, I worked at the Metro Center Mall in one of the bookstores. And on my breaks, I would go to the center of the mall and I would read my Bible. And in the process of reading my Bible through, I came to Second Corinthians in chapter 1. And I read this. And I was on my lunch break. And I read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. 
and our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. And this was the very first time, I believe, at least that I can remember, that I burst out in tears from reading God's word. And it was they were tears of joy. I understood after this passage, clearly, in my mind, in my heart, and my soul, that there was a godly purpose to what I was going through. And that to be in true service to others, I needed to be comforted by God in my own suffering. And then I could help others. I am very weak. I'm a weak man. And I can't take much. But at that time in Phoenix, many years ago, and many, many other times since then, I have been in distress in my heart and my mind and my soul. And God, in his word, has answered me. As I'm reading, he has given me over and over again a tangible answer to my prayer. Why am I here? Why am I suffering? Why am I not in school? Why am I so sad? And in that moment, in Phoenix, Arizona, it was to learn his comfort from his word and then to be able to comfort others. That is God talking to us through his word. You may be praying about pride, reading in the New Testament, and God says, I'm opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Oh, there we go. That's why I should be humble. Or you may be suffering and sorrowful, and God answers you through his word, just like he did for me in 2 Corinthians 1. And I did mention before that God has rebuked me in the same way. And I mentioned in the last episode that we would talk about that, but I I think I'll save that for later. We are called to humility, to service, to compassion, love, generosity, hospitality, all to the glory of God, and it's part of our response to His great love with which He loved us. And as we read our Bibles and take seriously what we read, God communicates with us. He answers every need, every need of our heart or our minds or our souls. They're addressed biblically, and they sometimes rebuke and they sometimes comfort, but they always end in comfort, even in our rebuke. And we find His communication, His help for us in our very time of need. I've mentioned it over and over again, maybe too often, but I don't think so. Eternal life is knowing God, and as we know and comprehend His Word, and we submit truly, and we pour our hearts out before Him, His knowledge, His answers come back in the fullest measure to enlighten us. The Holy Spirit moves on His Word and unveils to us at the right time what we need to know from the Scripture. And in faith, as we pray, our expectation should be complete that we are talking to Him and He is talking back to us. So the question comes, why dynamic? Our prayers need to be effective. To be effective, they need to be real. We need to know that they are real and talk to God, even though we can't see Him. And remember back in John from all the way yesterday, Jesus, as He explained to the disciples that they had access to the Father, told them that so that their joy would be made complete. And it's the same for us. And dynamic means we talk sincerely and we listen sincerely. And this I hadn't really planned, but I started off this year, the year 2020, talking about wanting to tell you what he has done for my soul, which is really the point of the podcast. Because what he has done for my soul through prayer is glorious to me, comforting to me, assuring to me, 
and he has brought me up from the pit of destruction. He calls us, me and us, to be imitators of him in love. And he reproves and rebukes and exhorts us in real time, me in real time, for his glory and, as it turns out, my good. And I don't at all believe my fellow trekkers in this life of faith that what he has done for me, this lowly, simple slave who loves Jesus, that what he has done for me, he is not ready and, ready and willing to do for everyone who comes to him in sincere prayer, comes to his word expecting sincere answers from the Holy God of the universe. Really, for today, all I have left to say is pray, pray, pray for the glory of God, the direction of your life, and the uplifting of your soul. Spend time in prayer. Once again, I do thank you for listening. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you the peace that comes supernaturally through your conversation with our Savior. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, make it a godly, fun-filled day.